0: Hi, this is Craig Goldie. You know me best for Dio and Dio Disciples, and now Dream Child. And you're listening to Focus on Metal.
1: Hey, Metalhead, Scott Thompson here, welcoming you to another episode of Focus on Metal. As we uh, round out November, heading into December, and this week we are bringing you the first of two parts of a large interview that Richie did with guitarist Craig Goldie. And the main thrust of the interview is talking all about the uh, Resurrection King's release, Skygazer. And you notice I didn't say new release, because the album actually came out on frontiers way back in july but uh richie and craig will discuss why the heck it is that we're in you know november december and we're talking about the album again months and months later and it's also pretty comical that initially when this whole thing got set up with craig Richie knew he was talking to Craig, but he didn't really know why. Not that he minded. There's always some ton of stuff that you can talk to Craig about. The guy's been done uh, so much stuff with Dio and Dreamchild and Jeffreer, and you just kind of go down the list, and he's done a lot of stuff. So there's always stuff to talk to Craig about, but in this case, Richie just didn't know uh, exactly what the reason was that uh, he was talking to Craig. So they get into... The uh, whole talking about Skygazer and the, the delay in PR for that, how that's doing with the band and all that good stuff. And then uh, Richie does what Richie does, which is digging into all of the other stuff going on with uh, Craig and uh, then digging into some history as well. Going back and talking about some of the stuff with Dio and even talking about things where he was working with uh with the one and only David Lee Roth. Yeah, we get into a little bit of uh semi-post-VH talk this week with Craig as well. So a lot of good stuff between this week and next week. All about, like I said, the Resurrection Kings. And, uh, you know, you have to talk about Dio. Right up to even talking about the hologram. So all kinds of good stuff between this week and then kicking it off for November as well in style with... Uh, Some D.O. talk with Craig Goldie. And just before we get into this, just want to throw it out there that uh, you guys know we've talked about the uh, brand new Queensryche uh, biography that was put out by uh, a couple of Northwest Metalheads, and in particular, one of them being uh, Brian Heaton, who you've heard on the show before. And uh, that Building an Empire is out for order, and you can actually get pre-orders in for some nice bundle stuff as well. And if you want to uh, get into all that action besides your normal spots, the best place to get it is at Northwest Metalworks, and that would be NW Metal. W-O-R-X music.com and you go up there and you'll see a couple of links for that and uh, you can also see all the other great stuff that uh, Northwest Metalworks Music has for uh, for sale up there. and some bands that you're going to be like, oh, wow, Era Parent, I want to grab that. So good stuff there. So also while you're up there, do yourself a favor and get on their email list so you can keep up to date with any of the uh, new or classic stuff that they are bringing out. And I will try to remember that when I do the posting on the website, I'll try to remember to put a link right up to... Uh, Northwest Metalworks as well. And I guess for a whole bunch of you that are going website, that's right. For those of you that only catch us on Amazon Music or on iTunes, uh, we do actually have a website, and you can either get to it by FocusOnMetal.net or FocusOnMetalPod.com. Either way, it'll bring you to the same place. You get all the archive of our 500-plus episodes up there plus news things we put up there and then other photos and other crap that we put up there as well. But uh, that's right, we actually do have a website. And every time we post a new episode, we do post a, uh, pretty much like a blog entry up there with show notes and artwork and all that good stuff. So with that out of the way, what do you say we hop into Richie's talk with guitarist Craig Goldie?
2: Hello. Is that
1: Craig
0: Goldie? Hey, how's it going? I'm good, Craig. How are you? I'm doing good, thanks.
2: So where are you, on the West Coast?
0: Yes, California, San Diego, California.
2: Okay, that's where you were brought up, wasn't it? That's right. Just yeah. <laughs> so, memory. Yeah, so you uh, you're not one of these guys who's moved to Nashville or uh, Vegas. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I've thought about it once in a while, but no, no not yet.
2: <laughs> okay, okay. So um, I'm originally from Ireland.
0: I can I hear it. Yeah, I remember you now. I remember we did this in Dream Child. I remember you. when you met when you said that, I went, oh wait a second, it all came flooding back.
2: Wow, you actually yeah. remember that? <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was a while ago. I can't believe how long ago it was.
2: Yeah. One of the things I want to ask you about Resurrection Kings, are you surprised you did a second record? Because with these projects now you never really know.
0: <laughs> yes, that's true. I was uh, I actually wasn't surprised so much as um um I was just great it was, I was grateful that it came out as good as it did because it could have been a much better but it was just the way it, it went. I wasn't really happy with the way it was put together uh this time and uh, a lot of it has to do just basically you know the things have changed and and companies have to change with the times and adapt and uh but luckily, some people actually like it better than the first one. So I'm, you know, I'm I'm just gonna say, okay, yeah, you know, I was just glad to do it. <laughs> what what
2: what specifically do you mean though, What was different about the second one? Are you talking about it? Maybe took longer to write and maybe get the parts down, or or you you never got in the same room. What what exactly do you mean by that?
0: Well, a little bit of that, yeah. There was uh, the first one. There was a couple, There was at least at least one song on there. You know, where me and Chaz were actually wrote it in the same room together. Because uh, there's nothing like that. Uh, we didn't get a chance to do that this album. Uh, there was a a couple of things where it was just the flow of it. You know, it started and stopped and started and stopped. So did the other one, um, because, you know, just, you know, mainly when this whole sh- uh, file sharing and streaming, you've know, heard me on a rant about that before.
3: Uh-huh.
0: Um, so I'll try to stay, I'll try to keep it you know, short, but yeah. you know, it just, it, it forces people to do, you know, like, you know, take on more projects than they're actually able to do. And so, and then trying to get, you know, four other guys, you know, to commit with a similar situation is, it just makes things difficult. And then the record company was trying to transition, you know, to be more you know, adaptive to streaming. And so that made things a little bit more difficult. And then their staff and everything, just everything just changed. And so, It made things a little bit more difficult, but at the same time, it it was there was other things about it that was that was far more interesting as well. So I mean, it's it's not all bad. Um, It's just it just wasn't put together the way I was kind of hoping. The first one the first one was a little bit had more fluidity as far as how I was able to record and you know write record and you know finish the album from, from beginning to end. Was a little bit closer to the format of how albums really should be put together. This one was kind of like everybody was just trying to keep up, you know, with the way things are. Mm. And we managed, you know, but, you know, an album shouldn't be put out with a built in excuse. But there are a couple of songs that could have been way better and a couple of mixes that could have been way better. But at the same time, at the end of the day, it's like, you know, we got to get this out because it's way too, it's already, what, like five years in between almost?
3: (laughs) Yeah.
2: Um, I, I remember I interviewed Vinnie Appice and was probably close to two years now, and he was actually talking about tracking the drums for the new the next Resurrection Kings record. <laughs> and you're saying now there's a lot of stopping and starting, and, and obviously that explains what happened.
0: Yeah, yeah, they're, they're, especially for a drummer because and, and and for him because he's such a he's such. Not that, he's, not that he's incapable of adapting either. I mean, he's, he's probably the best drummer on earth right now, you know, and, and to have him be a part of this is absolutely amazing. He's one of the greatest guys I know. He's got a great sense of humor and a really amazing mind, and the way he builds a song, you've heard me talk about that before. Yeah. It's just outstanding. And so when, when his, you know, there's a certain momentum that needs to be built. You know, because each song has its own character, so people think it's not a big deal if you record it you know separately and differently. but sometimes people like to have a certain flow, and that's what gives each song its own character because when you're in the when he's in the zone, there's nobody can touch him but when you have when that zone has a flip switch on and off from that somebody else is controlling it's like, "Whoa, wait a second, what's going on you know."
2: <laughs> Yeah, um, do, do you write differently when you're doing Dream Child than you would Resurrection Kings, or do you just write?
0: Oh, definitely differently, definitely differently, because um, the nature of the of the of the two projects are different. You know, the 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 purpose behind it, the heart behind it, is different. Um, but I still put in as much effort. It's just. Um, made more specific to that particular um type of of project cuz dream child was more about you know paying tribute to an era that seemed to be lost you know cuz that was, the whole point was when me and Serafino were talking that well they don't make music like that anymore And he's like well can you he was like yeah you know and then it, just the way the whole thing got put together and why was so magical you know it just it just was about let's try, you know, well they say they can't make music like that anymore, let's mm. try, let's do this you know, and, and and bringing Diego in when we did was just so magical because, you know, you heard the story yeah, he's you fabulous it just was like, it was just amazing and this particular one, you know it just, was, it just seemed like this was the first time that the world got in the way usually we're able to kind of push the world aside you know, and, and go into our own little caves and, and, and come out you know and maybe our eyes are a little squinting from the lack of sunlight you know but but we're happy to be out of the cave but happy to be in it too mm. and this time it was almost like you know it's just it just was different so i i still write according to what the project was cuz it's like even though it's still the same type of era that we try to capture yeah there's with resurrection kings it's a little more broad of the type of songs you know, like the ballad and piano and stuff like that. Um, more Journey-esque and more Whitesnake. You know, because Whitesnake, dear Lord, you've heard me brag about that 1987 album uh, and, and the 1989. I mean, some of the stuff, that I mean, that guy, those were like, it's, it's almost like listening to the radio. There's something for everybody in every song on, on those albums. And no wonder that sold so many millions of records. And um, I mean, everybody was at the top of their game. And, um, so when you try to recapture, uh, the essence of something that's been, that's great, that's been done before you, uh, to remind other people, you know, and to bring back old memories, um, Resurrection Kings has a broader spectrum from Journey to White Snake and Deep Purple and Dream Child was more about specific, specifically Blackmore, Ronnie James Dio deep purple rainbow with a couple of other elements in it
2: yeah do you think you'll do another dream child record has there been talk of it
0: let's talk about it but i'm just i'm not quite sure how i want to do it i don't and and a lot of it's because of the fact that i just don't want to put all that effort into it and then it just goes straight into streaming you know i want Mm. to figure out and see if i can do it a different way Mm. well one one of the things i
2: have issues with, with projects it, and it's not you've probably heard this before craig from other people it's not that the music isn't good it's it's like there's no live shows for a lot of them right. and and I, right. I know you want to play this stuff live but as a fan me as a fan it's kind of hard to get invested in projects because they might be one and done you know and then they might the the, the guy might bring out five or six records a year on different projects and it's too much um you know years ago it was right you did the album the album came out you toured you played the stuff live and this day it's that's not this this time it's just not the way it is
0: that's correct you're exactly right yeah and and believe me we we feel it too you know because we would do we would love nothing more than to be able to do that you know, it's just, unfortunately, financially, we can't because the, the foundation of our income has been stolen. Yeah. So, therefore, you know, we either have to go get day jobs and work at Home Depot, you know, for eight hours a day and then finish an album. Or we take on a couple of other projects, you know, and you know, most of us try to take on the things that we, we still care about. At least I do. I don't want to just do something for the money. And that's where it kind of gets it kind of gets watered down too, is that a lot of people take on stuff just because it it comes with a paycheck, and then their heart really isn't into it. Therefore, they're really not going to back it up with a tour. Uh, I like to do stuff where if there is an opportunity to tour, I'll do it because of what you just said. Uh, Resurrection Kings did do a couple of things, but only here in California. Really, only went, we ventured out of California only a couple of times in different states. Uh-huh. Um, but there isn't there's offers we were supposed on the first resurrection Kings, we were supposed to actually go on tour with white snake, but the budget was so incredibly ridiculous that we were going to get like the whole band would get like $500 a week.
3: <laughs> 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 you know,
0: it's just like, really, you know, and, yeah. and that was with white snake, you know, and, and I really don't think it's a matter of, you know, Coverdale was, was hoarding all the money. I, I cause I, 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 he's a good guy. You know, and and there's a reason why he stayed in the industry for so long. You know, jerks really don't, you know, they, they get exposed for who they are. They dethrone themselves eventually. And um, so it had to be other circumstances, which in fact it turned out to be.
3: Hmm. You know, at the
0: time, the manager that I had back in um, Jafria came out of retirement to help us. And uh, he actually found out a few things because of his um, his contacts in the business. You know, that we found out, you know, the reasons behind, you know, the budget and everything. And it just really came down to, you know, that the streaming thing has really also kind of taken the, the kicked the shit out of some of the venues too.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Because,
0: because because of the fact they can't get bands in there because they're, they're, well, I you know they're not touring because, you know, the main, the main guys have to do 10 other projects just to, you know, pay their mortgage. Mm. Craig is it is it
2: difficult sometimes now because of what you're saying to motivate yourself to write new music
0: no luckily no because the, the inspiration is automatically there uh, whether whether I feel it or not it's like I'm just constantly driven just because I love music so much you know I'm, I'm a little I'm a little um, bummed out about the way things are but because I love music and I love the creative process so much and because I never really got into it for the money in the first place, you know, that's, you know, that's going to always be there as well. Yeah. Um,
2: Have you ever been offered a project or projects and they just, you just didn't like the way they were, they were looking. You just said, no, I'm not interested in doing that one.
0: Uh, Not so much that, not so much that because um, I think, well, luckily anyways, um, certain people have a reputation and so some people have a reputation for, like I said, just doing anything if there's a paycheck and other people have a reputation for only taking on things that that which they believe in. And so luckily, those people who would contact me pretty much know, well, you know, if this isn't something that he can can't believe in, he's not going to do it. OK,
2: OK. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a fair that's a fair point. Um. How disappointing has it been that Dio disciples didn't get to write music?
0: Well, we were actually, we were. It just, uh, it's just really the way. Unfortunately, the you know, I don't want to say too much about it because you know I really don't want to, you know, throw anybody under the bus. Yeah, but we do. You know, we do had we had quite a few original songs.
3: Oh,
2: okay. And we
0: we had some record companies involved. It was just the way things, just the way things were. You know. Um, and it's really not, it's not, I can't really point the finger at any one person. It's just the way, it's just the way that is. And in many ways, what's great about it also is what limits it. What limits it sometimes is the fact that, is, is what makes it so great that um, only the singers who were, knew Ronnie personally or, or had a, a close connection with the inner circle so it was still run as a family so whenever anybody went out on tour when they said we're gonna do this song and that song they had a personal direct connection either with Wendy and Ronnie somehow shape or form like Ripper I think I believe I believe I told you that um, actually Ronnie kind of wanted to make Ripper his protege and actually made Wendy manage him for a while because of his belief in in Ripper Mm. Ronnie loved him. We would be recording Magicka and all of a sudden, you know, we'd stop recording because Tim was in town. So Tim can come down and, and visit with Ronnie and we'd all go out to dinner. That's how important Tim was to Ronnie. Wow. And, but people didn't really know that, you know, and Tim is more of an, the way he entertains is, is totally different than Ronnie. You know, people can, people can feel, ronnie's heart in his music and they feel his heart when he when they meet him Tim's a different type of guy not that he doesn't have a good heart he's got a great heart it's just he's a different type of entertainer you know and i love the way he deals with the crowd it's more of like a a comedian almost so he kind of comes off like like it doesn't matter to him when it really really does okay And so there's just things like that. And we can't get a singer without that criteria being met, or a bass player, or a drummer, or, you know, so that limits our choices of band members. And, you know, and that's okay. It should be. It should be like that. Hmm. If it's going to be done under the tent of the DO camp, the actual DO camp, not just a bunch of guys getting together who like the music. Okay. Half the time, the people who just, are a bunch of guys who love Ronnie getting together and doing uh, Geo Tribute bands, half the time they, they sound better.
3: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: you know, they get to pick, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they get to pick the songs. They get to pick the, 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 the band members, you know?
2: Yeah. So you've been asked a lot about the hologram shows, okay? But right. I But wa- I want to ask you specifically about the first time you got in a room with the band in rehearsal, with the holo with the hologram playing. Mm-hmm. How did you feel? What was going through your mind? It must have been a lot of emotions. Actually
0: quite honestly, the first one I was pretty excited about. Because I know Wendy's heart and I know what was behind it. Um, and the 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 and I know the guy now really well, you know, who from my illusion. Yeah. And the, the the team he put together was just outstanding. And so when we went into this, so we went into a movie studio, you know, where they actually film television and films professionally Yeah. for, you know, it was a movie, a movie studio. And so when they turned the lights down and we saw it, it was like, Oh my God, you know, and there, you know, there's no way that anybody's going to get that close that quickly with, you know, a limited amount of, a limited budget. You know, you, if you want to recreate, I mean, they're getting really close, but you can still see stuff, you know, sim- simple little things like the chest doesn't move for an inhale and an exhale. Uh, you know, there's no blinking, you know, things like that, you know, little things that aren't so little. But at the same time, you know, I know Ronnie himself was even talking about putting together, They when he was still with us, they were talking about, that somebody wanted to put together like a a play where there would be actual characters um, on stage in a hologram form. Yeah. So it wasn't far fetched that a hologram technology would not have reached the deal camp anyways, but many people thought we were still to this day, they still think we're trying to replace him somehow. And that's the part that's hard because You know, you've heard me say that before. Um, It's not about that. It's just, it was a grand gesture that just got taken out of context. So the first one was done differently. The person who did the motion capture, you know, really studied Ronnie. And so the movements were much closer. The second one looked like, you know, somebody was practicing their their swimming technique, you know, and how they managed to make him look like Howard Stern, I don't know. (laughs) But... (laughs) It looked like Howard Stern practicing his swimming techniques more than it did Ronnie. And that was a bummer because, you know, I was, you know, we never really even got a chance to see it until the day of rehearsal. Yeah. That was another part, too, both of them. So it's hard, you know, to, and then the whole time you're defending it, you know. And it's unfortunate the day that the Dio Disciples were, were even the, the conception of the Dio Disciples on that day ripped and tore the fan base in half. Mm. Uh, and it, and, it, and I know that we've talked about this before, is that it was only because of the fans' love for Ronnie. They, you know, like I've, I've, I've said, I don't know if I said this story to you or not, it's very much like the story of when Jesus went into the temple and he saw the money changers and he and it angered him and he toppled their tables, telling them this, you know, as a temple of worship. This is not a marketplace. So... In the Temple of Dio, many of his fans wished to topple our tables because they saw us as the money changers in the Temple of Dio. And they only hated us because of their love for Ronnie. So it was very sad to see hate, such extreme hate, come from such extreme love.
2: Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, Craig, when I heard about it, I... Had mixed emotions about the whole hologram thing right. in, in general. Right. I'm being honest with you, just m- me yeah. talking to you, right? right? One of the issues I had, and I I don't know whether this was brought up to you a lot, was I like to go see a live show, a full live band, and I I kind of think with a hologram that you're playing to technology. You know, you're <laughs> you're not you're yep. not you're not fully li- you, you are live on stage, but the hologram is not. And, That's right. And I have. I, I just like to see a full live band on stage. That was m- mainly the thing that the issue I have with the whole hologram technology. Myself. I,
0: I, yeah, I totally get it. Like I said, it was supposed to be taken as a grand gesture, but unfortunately, it was it wasn't received as such. Yeah, and I get you because you no know, matter even though it was a nice thing. You know, like you can get a gift for Christmas and you open it up and, you, and it's not something that you want or even like. But because you know the person who gave it to you, you're not going to take it back to the store and return it maybe because you know who the person was who gave it to you and why. But there's other stuff where like you might just get like a you know, like a, a really ugly sweater from an ant that you never see. And it's not going to be a problem to take it back to the store and return it for something you actually want. Mm. There's totally different types of gifts and totally different types of responses to that gift, depending on who it comes from and why. So we didn't really think, I don't think they really thought it through because Ronnie had done the dragon and the, I mean, a 18 foot fire breathing dragon and lasers and explosions and, you know, so he made such a grand gesture for the fans, especially by not hiking up ticket prices for that. Yeah. Which was extraordinary. You know, a lot of people don't seem to really understand how important that is, that for the same price they can go see a really, you know, stripped stage, that see, you know, a whole universe of, you know, dragons and knights, and, you know, fire-breathing dragons and knights and lasers and explosions for the same price Yeah, and get treated like a king. You know, when you get backstage at a Dio concert, he treats you like family, like, like a king. You know, you go to another show from another band and if you're not the a, a Playboy Bunny, you don't even get backstage.
2: Yeah. I've, I've interviewed a lot of musicians. I'm doing the show 10 years, Craig, and I've interviewed a lot of musicians at this, at this stage. And, it's amazing how much high regard they all hold, Ronnie. Yes, that's, um, that's
0: true. That's right.
2: And not just musicians, but I've interviewed writers. I've interviewed, you know, other people in the business, managers, producers. Um, they all love the guy. That's right. That's it, right. Um, and one of the things they all uh, that I've read in, I think it's in his autobiography, um, he, he remembered everybody's name, which amazes. That's me. Right. That's amazing. That's right. I'm, I'm terrible with names.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, I get it. I mean, I I, I learned it from my grandfather. Um, my grandfather wasn't a rich man, but he he worked himself up from zero to becoming a vice president of a of a local oil refinery. So when I was um, in school, I'd love to go visit him because I was really close with my grandparents, um, and you know, not so much with my parents until later. But, um, he, when he would take me to the country club, you know, there'd be senators and athletes, you know, and they'd all know his name and they, he'd know theirs, but he'd also be super nice to the busboys and the hostess and the waiters and the waitress and be very, you know, very, um, kind and caring. Hey, Jose, how's it, how's it going? How's your wife? Have you had the baby yet? Do you know what's, what's the name? What's your name? You know, things like that. Yeah. Same thing. And so I kind of was, I already been introduced to something like that, where he would always remember everybody's name, but that was in one setting in one state. He would always go to the same country club and pretty much there was the same people there. And with Ronnie, you know, it it was the whole world was his country club.
3: (laughs) You know, (laughs) So for him
0: to remember all those names is astronomically impossible, you know? And I tried it once. There was a it was great. We were, I think, we were in Australia once or something. There was eighty-three people there in the meet and greet afterwards with the band called Budgie. And so I, I made myself utilize this method of association. So when hi, th- my name's Pete. Okay, all right, no Pete. That was the first singer of the band called Vengeance. That you know where I, where, I, where I got the demo with Ronnie. <laughs> and then I'll find out some way that, that he looks like somebody in that band. Okay. You know, so I'd have to remember Pete. I have to remember Vengeance bass player or bass player of Vengeance, Pete. The singer actually was Pete, but he didn't look like Pete. You know, so so I have to remember three or four things to go along with that one name, and and I I so when I first start out with one guy, before I would meet the next person, I in my mind I would repeat repeat it over and over and over again, and take pictures of it as if it was written down on a piece of paper. And then the next, and then the next, and the next, and so afterwards, when we were tra- when it was time to leave, I would go to each and every person. Hey, Pete, it was nice meeting you, man. You know, let me know, you know, how things go with your girlfriend Judy and stuff like that. And you know, hey, Tom, you know, it was, it was great meeting you. You know, and, and I'm sorry your brother Bob couldn't be here and things like that. It was wonderful. Mm. And but it only happened a handful of times, you know, because I had a I had a a different type of memory. Uh, Ronnie actually called me Mr. Memory at one point because we'd be writing and working in rehearsals and we wouldn't be um, recording them. So he'd look at me and go, Goldie, you'll remember this, right? And I go, yeah. And so the very next day we'd start and everybody would forget it. And I go, well, it was actually like this and it was actually this. And so he relied on that. And sometimes he actually, the very first time I met him, he came up to me and said, what's the lyrics to the second verse when we were going down on the Silver Mountain in Heaven and Hell together? Because he had filed it away because he's working on Holy Diver. That was how we met, was me reminding him of his own damn lyrics. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it was beautiful, though. He was like, what's the lyrics to the second verse? The lover of life. Oh, right, okay. And, you know, that was the first night. Wow. Meeting my hero, you know, the voice I turned to after a beating at home, you
3: know. And
0: so, yeah, it's just, he had a different avenue, but that memory for, it was only because in the Bible it says, where your heart is, so will your treasure be also. And his treasure was his fans. And there was his heart also. Hmm. His, His wife, his girlfriend, his, his pet, his home, his car, his, his everything was a fan. He, you know, things didn't matter. I mean, he collected things and he made a lot of money, which, you know, he deserved it because, you know, the, the, the power struggle, you know, the way it was back then is it was Richie Blackmore's band. It was Richie Blackmore's time to make the lion's share only and make the decisions. Black Sabbath. It was their time to make all the decisions, and the deal was his time to make all the decisions. Yeah, and you know, you you earned that right. You know, you didn't just get it because you say so, and you got money behind you. Mm. And uh, his talent and skill. You know, I mean, you've heard me say this before too. I mean, it's like for all the people who never got a chance to meet him, they know him simply by listening to his music because he was so he was so expressive with the way he sang that the things that when he sounded hurt, it was the subject matter that hurt us. When he sounded angry, it was subject matter that made us mad too. And he called to the downtrodden and the black sheep of the globe and the broken people. You know, he kind of put them all together and put them back together again. He created like this kingdom of broken people and, and who the world spit on and forgotten about, you know, and, but, he, but everybody could belong and be loved in his kingdom and all were welcome. Mm. You know, and that's that's an amazing thing when you got such a gift and talent like that man did. He didn't just only sing, but he could play guitar, play bass, play keyboards, you know, and write. You know, he was just a master. Um, Craig, what's
2: this is probably a hard question to answer, but I'm going I'm going to ask you anyway.
0: What's
3: your mo- <laughs> what, what, I love it.
2: What's your most memorable live show you did with Ronnie? Is there one that stands out?
0: Who. That's an interesting question. Uh,
2: let's see. Or do you, what was the first live show you did with him? Let's start with that one. Do you remember?
0: Oh, yes, I do. Dear Lord. It was live television. I think it was called The Tube. In England? Yeah.
2: Yeah, on Channel 4. I know the show, yeah.
0: Oh, dear Lord. So I'm in the band. We have six rehearsals because he knew that I know the, the songs because, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan to begin with. Yeah, <laughs> So we only needed six rehearsals to go out on tour with. And then, you know, my gear doesn't clear customs. So six minutes before we go on live television for the first concert, introducing the new guitar player, my, gear sh- my rented gear shows up.
3: <laughs>
0: Two guitars that didn't work on their own had to be stripped and made into one. And I didn't even get a chance to play it. Until six minutes before we go on. Oh my God! And somehow we pulled it together. What? Yeah, did you, it was crazy.
2: What? What songs did you play? Do you remember?
0: Uh, I think I'm, I'm. I don't remember the exact songs, but I'm, I'm. I know that it comes from the set list of Sacred Heart. But I think it's like like a beat of a heart, maybe hungry for heaven. Okay. Um. I think we only did like four songs on top of it all. Okay. <laughs> All that, you know, just for four songs.
2: Yeah. So well, any memorable shows come to mind then? Donington must be one of them.
0: Oh, absolutely. Uh, I'll never forget that one because um, I don't know where I came up with the notion. Luckily, it worked out. Where I always thought to myself, wow, you know, I see the singers, you know, they sing something and then they they tell the crowd to repeat it. You know, but they make gestures. Eventually, the crowd gets it and they sing back. And they go back and forth and back and forth. So that wouldn't it be cool if you could do that on guitar? So I don't know where I, I managed to get the the gumption to do it at Donington for the very first time with 80,000 people who kind of didn't really know me that well. <laughs> but it worked. At one point, but before the show, Ronnie comes over to me and Puts his arm around me and he says, just remember who you are, kid. Because he could see how nervous I was. And even uh, Richie Sambora from Bon Jovi, who was headlining, comes over and says, you know, go kick some ass for me, man. You know, it was a, it's a real camaraderie there, you know. Yeah. And so I would play, you know, ding, ding, and I would point to the crowd. And they were kind of like, you know, you could hear crickets, you know. and. Ding, ding, you know. And then I'd make the gesture, you know, and somebody would sing it. And I'd point to him, i go, that's right. And, the next thing I know, I'm commanding 80,000 people with my guitar. It was amazing. I was like, whew, <laughs> you know. But it was just, that was very memorable because I don't know, I'm, I'm glad it turned out okay because uh, there was other grand gestures I tried that didn't work out so well.
2: <laughs> mm, uh, Craig, I was at that Donington show. Oh, you were! Yeah, <laughs> oh my I, I, God, I was—I was sixteen years old. <laughs>
0: oh my God! Yeah, oh, wait a minute. I remember you told me that. That's right.
2: Yeah, it was amazing.
0: I forgot about that. I forgot. I'm sorry that I told you that. Right. Story then. Did did uh,
2: did you get a chance to see Bon Jovi or Wasp or Metallica or Anthrax or Cinderella?
0: Uh, no, because we were so far away from from where we were, and there was basically no sound check, so it was a diff. Different set of circumstances, um, and then Ronnie really is loaded down with interviews and stuff like that before he went on. So, and I pretty much would hang back with him because everybody else would either go to the bar and drink, or try to pick up on chicks, or hang out with their chicks that they picked up on the night before when they were going out with the you know out and down into town. And so, it was a different set of circumstances and a different kind of code of ethics back then, you know, and so. Um not saying that if I did, I would have been a bad person. It's just that um, there really wasn't a whole lot of time to do what was needed and do that at the same time.
1: Mm. All right. And for this week, we're going to cut it off right there. We're going to pick it up right from there next week as Richie gets into more Dio history and just some more Craig Goldie history in general. So if you like this week, More good stuff coming your way next week as we plow into December. And just to touch back on uh, Northwest Metalworks as well. uh, One of the great things you can pick up there is, if you remember, we had Brian Naren, who's also one of the co-authors of Building an Empire. And he was on talking about their book, Rusted Metal. And you can get that up at Northwest Metalworks. And if you want to find out what that book was all about and hear that interview, you can go back to that uh, website I mentioned way at the beginning of the show, and you can look up episode 492 and hear all about uh, you know how they put together the book Rusted Metal and uh, good stuff there and just, yeah, tons of good stuff on uh, up there at Northwest Metalwork. The other thing that I saw interesting was that uh, it's in uh, Pull you Up, Washington, which of course I see that name. And instantly, I think of uh, of guitar bodies because that is where uh, Warmoth is, and they make awesome necks, bodies. So if you're uh, interested in building your own guitar or modifying what you have, check that out. Good stuff. Warmoth has uh, really expanded a lot, and uh, just quality stuff. Anyways, yeah, I'm, I'm off on a tangent again. So uh, for this week, that's it. The rate no more. Stick a fork in it. This puppy is done. So, for Richie, myself, and everybody else here at Focus on Metal, have yourselves a great metal week. And until we talk to you again next week on Episode 421, as always, remember... Focus on Metal! Everything else is insignificant.